Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. You're only going to hear about it when you miss the boat. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. What needs to be done for three kids all the time that is happening two or three weeks out from now so that I can be ready for it is a mental strain that my husband is not under a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to if you if you want help then then stop stop uh, setting yourself up as the only option hi everybody before we start we would just like to say thank you to all of you who have rated and reviewed the podcast on itunes it really helps us find more listeners if you haven't done it yet and you'd like to help us out it's easy. Here's how. You just go to our website, What Fresh Hell Podcast. In the sidebar, you can click where it says, leave us a review on iTunes, and it walks you through the complicated but foolproof steps. It would really help us out. Thanks. Okay, and with that said, welcome to the podcast this week. This week, we are discussing dividing the workload at home. Or not. Or do you not divide the workload at home, right? Or shall we say, our difficulties dividing the workload at home. Our ongoing challenges. And we have some. Yes, exactly. And what we're basically talking about is how you and your partner or spouse manage to divide caring for the kids. Okay, I'd like to start with some research, Margaret, like I often do. I like when you start with research. It makes me feel very comforted in my time of need. So there was a University of Wisconsin study. It was done in 2008, but you know we'll call that pretty current. And it showed that the average, okay, this is in a... Uh, heterosexual uh, marriage, right? The the average wife does 31 hours of housework a week. The average husband did 14 hours a week. And it was, the ratio was slightly two to one. But here's what was significant. It didn't matter whether the wife worked outside the home or not. It didn't matter whether the husband worked outside the home or not. No matter what their um, work relationship was, the at-home relationship was still, in 2008, the wife usually doing about twice as much as the husband. And I would say to our listeners, unless you're driving, raise your hand if you are shocked by the number 14. I thought you were going to say 31 hours to two hours. (laughs) I mean, 14 hours is still kind of a lot of hours. Well, I mean, I and and I I will say I know some modern day uh, dads and husbands, they all do a lot more than our dads did. But it's still, even ones who do a lot, right, are still... My sister-in-law was just saying to me this morning, oh my gosh, like my, my husband is still surprised when I say, okay, time to start getting ready for 10 o'clock mass. And he says, but it's 8.30. 
And she's like, but we have three children under the age of five. Well, we had a hilarious, I had a hilarious husband moment last night. My husband is not going to like me telling this story, but this is what you get when you marry a podcaster. I, uh, my son was in the school play. He played the troll and it was dress rehearsal. And so he had his face entirely coated in green stage makeup, like picture the bad witch from Wizard of Oz. That's what he looked like. He's entirely green. So it's hard to get off. We're trying to take it off with the scratchy paper towels at school. But I finally say, just forget it. Just you can go to CCD Green. You can come home. We had dinner. I'm like, we'll just deal with it in the bathtub. Then we get really busy. We don't go to the bath. I ended up straining something in my back. I'm like, I'm going to lie down while you put the kids to bed. So my husband comes to bed and he's like, got all the kids. They're all down. So I say to him, how hard was it to get the green makeup off? And he literally looked at me like, huh, now? And I was like, are you really telling me that my son is upstairs sleeping in a full face of green makeup? And he's like, yeah, because that was just the dress rehearsal in the place tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, um, I can't send my kid to school not having washed his face. Like, it, But he was genuinely flummoxed by the idea of like, why wouldn't you just leave it? Since he needs it again tomorrow. Oh my God. There was this Paul Rudnick play called Jeffrey that, that was out like 20 years ago. Uh-huh. And there was a character in it who was in Cats on Broadway. And he was home and he just wore his Cats makeup all the time. Because what was the point? He just have to put it back on when he went back. I have to look <laughs> so and make sure that my that. husband didn't write that play. Because that <laughs> seemed to be his personal philosophy. Like, why would you waste time taking... And that, I think... Although a slightly ridiculous story is kind of what lives at the center of dividing the workload. Like that the parent, and I'm just going to say the mom, is constantly thinking 10 steps ahead while the dad tends to be a little bit more like, hey, I can help put shoes on, but I'm not going to realize that the prep for 10 o'clock mass doesn't start at 9.52. Exactly. Because then we're going to... 10 45 or 11 a.m mass and like we're just gonna greet the people as they leave it's the uh it's the invisible workload even when it's a green face that is really (laughs) which let's be honest is super friggin visible (laughs) it is super super visible but yeah uh that is the kind of thing i once um when i was just out of college i was staying in my first apartment and i turned the oven on And then I went to make pasta that was on top of the oven and the entire oven filled up with gas. And then because there was a pilot light that you needed to light on the oven and it hit the finally it filled so much it hit the range and the entire oven exploded. And I called my mom to tell her this story and she just said to me, don't tell me stuff like that anymore. And I said, well, why? I can tell you because it's over. And she's like, it just makes me wonder what else you don't know. And that was a little bit the reaction I had to the green face. Like, it just makes me wonder if I were to leave town, what else you would think to yourself? Like, it just seems easier to send them in the same clothes to school for five straight days. Like, it just seems easier. Why bother with coats? They're just going to get out. I mean, what, what else don't you see? If you could take a black light to the entire, to everything that happened yeah. in your absence, what yeah. might you find? Yeah. Well, so it's the, a little it sounds, worrisome. It sounds like you and I are both uh, sort of the default parents in our house. Did oh, you, re- did you mean, read that article in Huffington Post? It's not even Post? a question. There was this article in Huffington Post called Are You the Default Parent? And it was by a, a woman who goes by the pseudonym Emblazoned. And it's a really good article if you haven't read it. But you totally read it because it was shared on Facebook 
like a million times. 84,000 times. Can I read you a quote from it? She, this is, you this may. Is, this is how she starts. Are you the default parent? If you have to think about it, you're not. You'd know. Trust me. The default parent is the one responsible for the emotional, physical, and logistical needs of the children. Spoiler alert, it's typically the one with the uterus. Yup. Now, not I, all men. I'm down Hashtag with you, not all men. Not all men. It's never all, but I think we're talking about, and, and I do think that you and I, which people may not know, we have a very similar and I think increasingly unusual gender breakdown in our house in terms of both of our husbands work outside the home. Yes. Both of us stay at home with our kids, although both of us have work that we do that we earn money for, but it's not, we're not out of the house. We're stay at home working moms, basically. Yes. We're fitting it around our, our childcare um, uh, obligations. Right, which are like, I have no help with my kids. So when I say fitting it around, like I'm not fitting it around, like sitters here helping and I'm getting work done. I'm f- literally okay, I've got the kids at school. Let me sit down and try to write this article that's due and then let me make it before pickup. So we're home working a little bit but and our husbands are outside working. And I feel like that's in, that sort of thing is increasing. I mean, a lot of moms I know sort of pastiche it that way. But finish, yeah. but finish your point. That, that we're, 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 both, we're both in a traditional sort of more traditional gender divide than perhaps right. a lot of other people are these And days. I do think if you, like I have a cousin who works full time and her husband stays home with the kids. And so they, he is likely the default parent in their house. So there are a lot of different arrangements. I think being the one who spends the most time at home leans you into the default role. Because if you're out of the house 60 or 70 hours a week, it's more challenging to be the default parent. Although there are moms and dads who are working out of the house 70 hours a week and are also the default parent. Yes. I mean, I have a friend who's a totally high-powered Wall Street exec, and she is definitely the one worrying about the permission slips and the prescriptions and the batteries and the birthday presents. It's still her job. Even yeah, and, and in my house, my husband is worrying about, like, our car just broke down, and it's going to sit in the garage. He thinks he can fix it somehow, a battery wire something. And he is going to fix the car. Because if he didn't fix the car... That car would just sit in our garage for the next 900 years. Like, I, there's no way I'm fixing a car. It's outside, right. Uh, if it's a propane grill or a car or a, um, I don't know, porch light, definitely. Somehow somehow that's completely yeah, anything, outside that's my... Yeah, that's a good breakdown. Anything that happens outside <laughs> involves cooking on the grill. We are sounding a little 1950s housewives, but like, this are. is the truth at my house. I'm sure there are moms out there who are totally down with figuring out a dead battery in their car, but I'm, I can change a tire. But once the hood is lifted, I actually don't even know how to lift the hood. So, like, once that is involved, I'm out. But, okay, so there has to there has to be a default parent. There's going to be a default parent in any household. You're right. But I think the problem is that the default parent can start to feel resentful, if I may speak for us as a group, that, that so much of what we do is invisible, it doesn't even get seen. Like, did you have to, did you have to worry about the green makeup? Were you supposed to provide that green makeup? And did he need, like, a costume that you, you were supposed to Do you think my husband bought green makeup? No, but did you? No. But you, and the you, costume, no. And you knew the play All was a week from stuff. Tuesday. Right, right, right. And my daughter's birthday is tomorrow, and, like, right, we have... Right. I invited everybody. I figured out what the theme is going to be with my daughter. I'm going to be up until 10 o'clock tonight baking cakes. Now, my husband will say to me, I know you're super busy with all this craziness. What can I do to help? And I can say, you can take the kids into the living room, pick everything up. He'll vacuum. You can go grab the vacuum, vacuum. If I 
if I give him task specific stuff, he's fantastic. And I will say my husband works really, really hard, harder than a lot of husbands I know, maybe a thousand times harder than my dad worked within the home. I mean, my dad really didn't do much. He wasn't quite the like no diapers type, but he was pretty much like madman. He kind of came home, had a cocktail, played Tickle Monster with us for five minutes and then play golf on the weekends. Like he was not at all. It would never have occurred to him like, wow, my wife really seems to be drowning. Let me take lunches this week. That is a thought that never ran through his mind. Right. And I think one important thing that you talked about in talking about the default parent is this idea of like, it's the strain is not so much. I think that my husband has just as much busyness and kind of physical strain around running a household with children as I do. I think I have about four or five times as much mental strain than my husband does. Why is that? Just the constant inner dialogue that is, it's January. Oh my gosh, camp. What is our summer schedule going to look like? And then who needs a doctor's appointment? And then, uh uh-oh, that one said something about her tooth two weeks ago. I should check how that's feeling because if not, I'm going to have to make a dentist appointment. That's going to be three weeks from now. And the other kid's school play is coming up in three weeks in costumes. Did I RSVP to that birthday party? Do we have a present that we're going to bring to that? That constant humming wheel of like, what needs to be done for three kids all the time that is happening two or three weeks out from now so that I can be ready for it is a mental strain that my husband is not under. And you're absolutely right. Lisa Wade wrote about this in Money Magazine, and she calls it the invisible workload. So it's got a bunch of names, but it's all the same thing. And she, you know, her point, she thinks this is a problem that it's you know usually the mom and the family and she cuz she talks about lightness of mind and how your willingness to take it on means nobody else has to take it on and it remains invisible to them and they all get to have lightness of mind and you don't i mean she's she's got she's really onto something there she is because so 2 weeks ago it snowed and my oldest is 14 and he's growing at the sort of time lapse photography rate that he Right. right like every morning he's a foot taller it's like jack and the beanstalk and and yeah. you should stop letting him go to bed because that's not going to stop <laughs> don't fall asleep and <laughs> so watch him all day and be like stop that stop that growing so of course there's two inches of snow in the ground and say okay everybody we need our snow boots today well his his shoe size is about two and a half sizes bigger than the last time it snowed and of course everybody turns including my husband to look at me when, when he says mom what what snow boots am I going to wear? My old ones don't fit me. And everybody looks at me, right? And then I, so I try to pass it off. I try to say, well, when you should have told me. You should have thought of that. You should have brought out your snow boots and made sure you had ones to fit you for the winter. And of course, he's not going to do that, right? And neither is my no, husband. He's no, nobody else is going to do that. But it was definitely in that moment my fault that he didn't have anything to wear now in the end it worked out because um he had my husband had gotten new snow boots for christmas because at least he had the foresight to know that he needed a new pair but um they were a little big on him so my teenager wore my husband's new snow boots and my husband wore his teenage son's hand-me-down snow boots that were not (laughs) all right all right (laughs) so in that case it all worked out but i did come up with that solution on the fly um but i think what you're tapping into is 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 the heart of the thing which is this feeling that like you can get as the default parent that everybody that the house is this constant juggling act or this like plate spinning act where the plates all have to stay spinning and sometimes it looks to you to one that 
everybody in the house is relaxing and you're running around spinning the plates and they're like, oh, how do those beautiful plates keep spinning? Like they don't really understand like, wait, there's a ton of work that makes it so that when you walk down to the mudroom, there's boots and hats and coats that fit everybody that didn't magically walk down from the attic crawl space that you had the foresight in one long weekend in October to say, I'm going to devote eight hours to seeing if they all have pairs, seeing if they still fit, bringing them down. And that that is a very frustrating experience to have the feeling of like, Everyone just thinks like, oh, look, great. The magical elves left my snow boots by the door. And especially like I have kids under eight. So they don't, they literally do not have any channel in their mind that is like winter means I need boots to fit. Right. And you, and you do such a good job. The reason it's invisible is because you have anticipated their needs successfully and you have done a good job, but nobody's going to tell you that because they have no idea that there was a job that needed to be done, right? So, so And in fact, the only time you're going to hear anything is when the boots don't fit or the birthday party is kind of lame and it's like, mom, I don't have what I need. I thought, I thought you loved me. Right. It's like, whoa. It Wait was a minute. You don't New see Year. the oh god! You don't see the thirty six other thing like oh mom! Everyone had their costume for dress rehearsal except for me today. Like okay, did you? But the, the last forty six things I did right, but you're only gonna get you're only gonna hear about it when you miss the boat. Exactly. Okay, I think that's a good time to take our first break. So we're going to break and bring you this comedy piece, and we'll be right back. Sure, we were all young once, and we all dreamed of romance and finding that one true love. And each of us had a list of absolutely non-negotiable qualities that we were looking for in a mate. But now we're older and married, and if we could talk to our younger selves about that list of things, we might have some edits. What Fresh Hell Podcast brings you qualities you want in a boyfriend versus qualities you need in the father of your children boyfriend. Oh my god, he has to be a good dancer. Husband. Yeah, you are really not spending a lot of time dancing. Find a guy who's good at putting together IKEA furniture. Boyfriend. You know what I love? A tight butt. Husband. You know what I love? A guy who can make 20 pancakes in under three minutes. Boyfriend. I'm also totally into abs. Husband. It is Imperative that you can find a guy who can survive on less than six hours of sleep. Boyfriend. I have to have a guy who can make me laugh. Husband. It's very crucial to have a high tolerance for weird smells. Boyfriend. And for sure, he has to have sexy eyes. Husband. For the love of God, do you realize how infrequently you will be staring into his sexy eyes once the baby comes? I beg of you, pick the guy with some basic plumbing skills. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, we're back. It seems to me that if this, if the problem is this work is in, invisible and it, it stresses us out because who knows what we're forgetting when when we're in right. charge of creating the I list think as, that, well as, to, as well as executing it, right? And that's so something that really something. plagues me. Like that 3 a.m., like what am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? Like the list is so constant, constantly moving that I feel that stress on me, that thing of like, oh, is there a birthday party that I forgot? Did I have it? Did someone have the right shoes? Was it gym day on Tuesday or is it supposed to be gym day on Thursday? And is it 
library day on Friday and I'll get the pink slip that's got a frowny face that says we're missing the book from the library. Stressful. It's stressful. And then, and then the other part is that we, it leads to resentment when when our invisible work done successfully is not appreciated because it's not even seen. But it seems to me in that case we have two choices. We can not let it bother us or we can do something to make what we're doing, our workload more visible to our spouses and our kids because that might actually help now that I think about it with this, oh God, what am I forgetting? If if we don't just sort of take on the notion that we're supposed to anticipate every one of our spouses and children's needs ahead of time, that they have no responsibility in anticipating and articulating those needs. I think one of the huge keys to this is the inherent martyrness that goes along with being a mom that is something I see plaguing so many friends of mine and I fight against in myself which is my narrative of I'm the person who spins the plates while everybody relaxes is a definition that I have to really examine for its truthfulness because some of the plates if I stop spinning it's going to be a problem Like, I don't actually want my kid's birthday to go by and have forgotten about it. Like, but I think it is very easy for moms to get into a mindset where your internal narrative is, if I don't do everything, nothing gets done and no one appreciates me. And that is a story that becomes true because it's your story. Your sort of indispensability becomes true because that's the sort of only pat in the back you're getting. It's from yourself. Like, see, see, right. I do everything. I do everything and nobody right. appreciates it and I have to do everything or else nothing would work. Um, but, but you're right, that that narrative, that still doesn't get us what we really want, I think, which is appreciation and to, to feel validated and appreciated and, uh, and us sort of... My my sniping at my kids that they don't appreciate what I do doesn't seem to make them more appreciative. It's odd. So that doesn't make them start bringing really out work. cakes once a week and be like, thanks for getting me boots to fit, mom. Right. You get that. That's the, shocking. It's more the here she goes again roll of right. the eyes that makes And me I've like, said this oh. a lot. I may have even said on the podcast before about nagging that like what's frustrating about nagging and I find it in my marriage and I find it with my kids that it seems like there are two unfortunate pathways with nagging you can either constantly nag did you change that light bulb did you change it that light bulb did you change it did you change it or you can just walk by the light bulb every day and let your rage at your husband get huger and huger that it wasn't changed like where is the middle path through that because it's very difficult I think the middle path from what I've decided for myself is to be very specific about needs and then ask for help in a way that is going to be useful. So rather than saying like, hey, did you change the light bulb? I can't believe you didn't change that light bulb. That light bulb still needs changing. You should have changed that light bulb by now. One thing I try to do is catch my husband at a good time and say like, hey, could you take five minutes right now and go change the light bulb? Rather than just this constant voice of like, can you, can you, can you, you didn't do anything right, you're always a failure, oh, you always let me down with your horrible non-light bulb changing ways. Whereas if I can find a time like, hey, it's Sunday afternoon, hey, the game doesn't start for a few more minutes, would you go change that light bulb right now? He'll say yes, he's not doing it to torture me. But if I'm constantly asking him while he's got like an armload of firewood or he's walking out the door to take a kid to a soccer game, then it is just the thing of like, 
hey, here's me reminding you how you let me down by not changing that light bulb. I'm imagining my Sunday afternoons 10 minutes before the football game comes on as a sort of quiet time for me as well. Everybody's home. Nobody has to be anywhere. Right. Maybe they're all on screens more than I would want, but it's kind of everybody's time to... <sighs> I just think to, to keep the definition of no one does it the way that I do it, we sometimes set our husbands, our spouses up for failure rather than setting them up for success. Because seeing the partnership as like, how can we help each other versus seeing the par partnership as how can I chronicle the many ways in this in which this other person does a really bad job and I have to do everything. My husband is very willing. Here's, here's a division of labor that works in my favor, but really our favor. My husband's more willing to do the soccer game, go stand around at the soccer game, go stand around at baseball practice kind of thing yep, with our kids on the well. weekends. Because, but I will put it to him, like if you take Seamus to soccer practice, I will stay home and I'll clean the kitchen and I'll get organized for the daughter's birthday party and I'll also go through all their drawers and I'll pull out the pants that don't fit the one who's growing like a weed anymore and I'm going to do all that while you're gone and two loads of laundry. And when you sort of lay it out like that, then I think he's like, uh, I think I'll go read the paper at soccer right. practice. I got the better end of this. Yeah, deal. but he, but yeah. they don't think so if you don't if you don't necessarily show them the whole. And and it's like I said, it's it is invisible. Apparently, it's invisible, but it's not their fault. So let's make it visible. And then then um, maybe us asking for help isn't seen as such a intrusion. I think another arm of this is remembering. It is tempting to get into another dialogue, which is I have to do everything around here. You can't even take, I have heard a lot of my friends, it's like having another kid, my husband. And this is another area where, at what point are you making that story true? Like I got married, when I got married, my husband was 34 years old. He left college at 21 years old. And he lived for 13 years without me constantly telling him how many socks he needed to launder every week to get through the work week how, like, how'd it go for him what was what was his bachelor life like still alive first <laughs> of all he worked a very successful job all those years and was never kicked out of his office for smelling bad like he did not do things the way that i like things done he would occasionally my guess is at midnight on a Sunday, hop out of bed and be like, I need to load, do a load of boxer shorts so I have clean undies to go to the office tomorrow. If he did that in my house, I'd be like, this is just another example of how you leave things to the last minute. But really, why does it bother me? I've stopped, I've stopped being well, bothered by it. I guess as long it. as it's not your underwear, it's just his, um, then but, it's fine. Yeah, like there is a temptation to think like I, my wonderful way that I figured out the best way is the only acceptable way. And so anyone doing anything that is not up to my bar of perfection is just here to complicate my life. Right. And that's not true. You hit on a related point, which to me I think is is another way to to explore your default parentness more carefully, which is to leave. The, on, the only way to really give yourself a break from being the default parent is to go away for the weekend. Right? I've done, okay, I do it maybe I'm once a year. I'm going to tell you right now that Half the people listening, raise your hand if you're not driving a car, are thinking to themselves, Amy, if I were to leave, I would have to write a 10-page list, and then I would come home to all the laundry, and it is not even worth me leaving, because that 
is how much I run my home. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, you know me. I'm very organized, so I do. I do leave with the with the spreadsheet of who has to be where, when, and because it's New York City, it's hard to get a cab at 4.15 to make sure you leave by 4, um, which means you need to tell them to put their shoes on at about 3.30. <laughs> Right. right, but I, what I would suggest, I, so I do strongly, do that, but then I don't. But then I don't check on how it went. Then, then, then there's you don't nothing call, inherently don't wrong with the spreadsheet. But I would suggest, in the strongest possible terms, that even if you didn't leave that spreadsheet, people would figure things out. Well, they'd still be there. They when might you got be back. a bit late. They might have trouble getting a cab. They might end up having a hilarious adventure where they have to run ten blocks all together because oh no, we didn't do it quite the right way. But like. I think we should all stop defining ourselves as the only person capable of figuring out how everybody else gets through the day. You're right. If we if you want help, then then stop stop uh, setting yourself up as the only option. Yeah, and and I mean, as in all things, there are a thousand exceptions to this. You know, my kid has medicine like that has to happen at the right time it's a non-negotiable so that might be something where I'm like hey the only non-negotiable is this happens um Mike we are SVP'd for a birthday party like I went away this weekend and I was like what are the three things that absolutely have to happen you have to go to this birthday party that we are SVP'd for you have to go because I don't want to be embarrassed and be like oh wait we said we were coming and nobody showed up you have to make sure that the kid on antibiotics gets his medication every day. That's really important. But otherwise, see how you figure it out. If it's about uh, not doing it all yourself anymore, then, then let it happen. Even, although I am loath to give up this ground, even the green makeup probably would have been fine. He would have slept in some green makeup. He might have had a skin breakout. It does make He would have gone... He would have definitely gone back to the school. And this is a thing I fight with, with my husband sometimes about. When the kid shows up in green makeup on day two, the reaction of everyone who sees that kid is his mom didn't wash off his makeup. Like no one ever thinks like his mom was probably trying to prove to everyone that she shouldn't do everything. And so the dad didn't wash off the makeup. Like if we forget someone in my family or his family's birthday, the reaction is Meg forgot the birthday. That's, like it's never, it's the default stuff. The reason it's default is that it comes back on you. That is definitely true. My, my husband has been taken to task for forgetting his godson's birthday and then he will throw me under the bus. I'm like, whose godson is it? Like, when, and what year is it? Are you kidding me? But but yeah, they... Right. <laughs> and I don't sometimes even I rem- And frankly, I'd totally forgotten too. And had I remembered, I would have been like, you have to remember, you have to do this. So, so yeah, it, if you're inconsistent about it... And if people it, show up to my house tomorrow for a birthday party I have not yet begun preparing for, and my house is a disgusting mess with sticky floors, people are like, oh, Meg doesn't keep a very nice house. I mean, there is some. there are some defaults that come at you from the outside. Right. You have to be willing to let go of those, right? Well, you just have to decide. You have to pick, like we've said a million times on a million of these topics, number one priority, pick your battles. Or you could get my mother is out of town t-shirts made up for this. That is a good idea. Or just (laughs) temporary tattoos that you can put on the forehead of all the kids. Yeah, and I'm a total bus thrower when it comes to my husband because I'll go go to pick up and just be like, hi, sorry, the kids didn't have a coat. Dad got him ready for school. And they're always like, oh, haha, that's totally fine. Right. Oh, dad, he's so crazy. Right. We benefit from that idea, too. The, the, the um, useless dad that's on every commercial ever made. 
I think we've identified the problems very, very well. So I think we should talk solutions. Okay. And I, one of my solutions yeah, you go is first. This. And I can hear people rolling their eyes because it's kind of an annoying and hard thing to do. But it's it okay. is something we've right. started doing us. and it actually works. Take 20 minutes every Sunday and sit down with your husband or your partner and go through the week. Who's got to be where when? What things we need for every day? Are there special things? Library books go on Friday. Gym is Tuesday. Make sure they have sneakers on. Maybe write some quick notes. Helps you think through the whole picture. And then it helps your sometimes not as good at planning spouse to be like, okay, I can take four of those things. I wouldn't roll my eyes at that. I think that's a great idea. Um, can I go? I have a good one. You can. Here's this, this is my homework. You're going to roll your eyes at this, I think. Probably. Well, it probably involves some I'm, control. I'm, gonna, thing, I'm scared right? I'm going to say it, though. I am okay. going to, I'm totally I'm going to start saying you. thank you when people do step up, even if it kills me because I'm keeping score, and the score is 5 million to 1. Right? My, my what is an example of that? So, I don't even understand. So my husband's around on the weekends and has time to make himself an enormous breakfast of eggs and sausage and oatmeal and you know, the second pot of coffee. Oh, well, no, not just for, I mean, he's doing it because he wants it, certainly. But I mean, he'll make, he's taking orders along the way. Um, Yeah, if it's me, it's like, here's the cereal kids. He makes a big breakfast and it is mostly for him, but anybody who has an order can have one. And then it's a huge mess afterwards, which he then will spend, you know, no lie, 40 minutes, right? Unloading the dishwasher, reloading it, scrubbing the pots. And then he might say to me, I clean the kitchen. And I'll say, okay. And he's like, oh, aren't you going to say thank you? And I, you know, and I. <gasps> oh my God. That would be the beginning of a Law and Order episode at my house if that happened. <laughs> like, aren't you going to say thank you? His body was found yeah. in the kitchen yeah. behind the stove. And I want to kill him. But but he he did do something. He did step up. He it, He's feeling unappreciated. Imagine that. Imagine that mm. feeling, right? And if, and if my goal is to get more help and to be more appreciated, then I need to be appreciative when somebody offers help. You have, you have to do it. So I'm going to try to let go of my resentment that, well, I haven't been thanked for every dirty diaper I changed for 10 years. Um, <laughs> and just say, Yeah, I'm thank still you. team you in this story, but I guess it would be a good thing to do. But I'm still firmly team you. It doesn't cost me anything but it doesn't but my dignity and <laughs> but there's no there is no alternate universe in which my husband would say aren't you going to thank me and it would not end in violence uh for me this is the biggest takeaway it is very tempting to hold on very tightly to the identity of the martyr and the victim and the person who is not understood and the person who does everything because they're the only one who's, who know how to do it and I think the crux of this whole thing is working on letting go of that identity. And it's very hard and it's much more fun to like sit in the corner like Gollum and like stroke that identity like my precious, my precious. And like, yes, I am the martyr and no one. Am. And that there is some real psychological difficulty and dangerous feeling in saying like, what if I actually let go of that and see how everybody does without me? And they won't do it as well as you. And they will miss the cab because they did not know that corner is really crowded. But when you really tease out a lot of these situations, there are some you can let go of. You can't let go of throwing your kid a birthday party. Like you have to have that on the calendar. You have to do a good job. And probably that's your job. 
But there are more than you think that you can get rid of. You are not the only person who knows how to cook an egg correctly. You are not the only person who knows exactly how the soccer cleats get tied. Well, so I think I would I would tied. argue that there are a lot of three year olds who think that mommy is the only one who knows how to cook an egg correctly. And in fact, you probably flip are. That script. Like you probably are the only one who knows how to tie the soccer cleats. But tease it out. What's the worst case scenario? They go with loose soccer cleats, and someone has to retie them for them during the game. Like. It, I think we let ourselves imagine this world in which we, if we don't constantly spate thousand plates, everything shatters, and that is not true. And, and if, the more you believe it, the harder your own life gets. Right, and and with that resentment, that golem, my precious resentment, as your only reward, it's it's pretty shallow as a reward. It's not. It's it's, it's, it's not, not worth a doing fun it all. Reward, but for some reason, it's a very, very satisfying reward. It's what, you, it's what I don't know if it is that satisfying, but it's what you have. I think it's like satisfying in that golemy, strokey way. Like it's 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 weirdly satisfying to feel that feeling of like no one understands how hard I work and everyone is like. But there is a better way. This is my takeaway. No more golem. All team coach. Well, here's my takeaway, I think, is that talking about all of this, I'm realizing this this setup with us doing the all the invisible work works really well for everybody except us. So absolutely yes. nobody else is going to make the change unless we do. It, it, it has to be on us to uh, to make the work visible, to ask for more help, to be more appreciative when help is given, and to accept less than our exacting standards for how uh, soccer cleats should be tied. And if your spreadsheet to go away for two days is longer than two pages, <clears throat> I'm looking at you, Amy. It, it does kind of take... You've lost the script. Somewhere. It does kind of take me as long to get ready to go away as yeah. I will be gone. All right. Watch. And still go. Still go. But just when your dialogue is like, it's not even worth going, become it's so hard. And by the time it's so much more work, like, eh, go. Have fun. Stop. I mean, right. I went away for two days and I came home to five days of laundry because, of course, the thing where I like don't let them put the laundry directly on the floor was not followed. And so eh, I had a little more laundry to do, but it's not like, oh, I should never go away. It's fun. I had fun. All right. I'm going away next month. So I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try I, to leave. I want to pre-check your spreadsheet. I'm going to fix. Can you I put your spreadsheet up on the website? It's a I, word doc. I, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I did not bring spreadsheet into this conversation for the record. You clearly, and people go back and listen to the tape. Amy said maybe twice spreadsheet. <sighs> well, I'm going to set as a goal for myself and you're my accountability partner that I, it's going to be my, uh, my word doc to leave town for 48 hours is going to be um, Under 12 points, 12 pages. font, and one page. It's going to be one page. One, a one page. pager. This is major news, people. Stop the presses. <laughs> so I think that sounds like a plan, and I think we've solved how to divide the workload. We've solved it, but if you have other ideas, we really want to hear from you what you're doing to make things easier in your house, and there's a couple of ways you can tell us. You can go to our facebook page to search for what fresh hell podcast on facebook you can also talk to us on twitter at hellfresh and you, and you can also go to the what fresh hell podcast.com website you can comment there and you can find out how to leave us a rating or a review on itunes which would be a big help in finding us more listeners great thanks for listening Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. 
The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.